Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. new series today called This Is My Story. We're going to see a little video and then I'm going to come back and introduce it properly. And then we've got a video of someone that we've interviewed. Everyone has a story. We're going to hear some people's stories over these next few weeks. This is my story. Take a look at this. When I uh, gave this series that title, This Is My Story, I've got to be honest with you, it sends me, that little phrase sends me on a little nostalgic trip, and I hope you don't mind me doing that. Because when I was a child growing up in the church that I grew up in, for which I'm grateful, my favorite service of the month was always the after service. And the clue is in the name when it took place, It was after all the other services had happened, and it was after the main evening service. And honestly, that's when everything went a little bit rogue. That's when we did things that we didn't do in some of the other services. This was the service that was going to get you in trouble if there was one. And what we would do in that service, I know this is wild, guys, but we'd play hymn bingo, which was basically, we had hymn books in those days, and so someone would shout out their favorite hymn, and they'd just shout out the number, number 35, and then the organist and the pianist, because that was the band, they would have to quickly find it, and then they would play it, and we'd all sing. But we also had what was called testimony time. And before testimony time, we'd always sing the same hymn. It was this hymn, I'm not going to sing it to you, Blessed Assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in the blood. And the chorus went like this. This, I'm going to sing it now. This is my story. This is my song. Anyone know it? Anyone online know it? Just put something in the, in the chat there. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. And thank you very much. It's on the next album. And the, the little phrase there. This is my story. And see, the announcement would go out like this. Would anyone here like to share a testimony? One by one, sometimes with long silences that were awkward, but one by one, different people would get up with a testimony. And that testimony could be about when they were born again, their salvation, or it could be about what God had done that week. Because a testimony is not simply about the past, it's about the present. And the concept of testimony is an important one in the Bible. Listen to what it says in Psalm 145. It says this, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another, and they tell of your mighty acts. And we mustn't ever lose 
the discipline, if you like, of sharing with one another of God's mighty acts. And the old guys should share it with the young guys. And the young guys should share it with the old guys. And the middle-aged guys should share it with everyone. Because we're in this together. And God has done mighty acts, even this week. So we share a testimony. I'm going to read a verse to you from the King James Version, which is the old-fashioned, these and thous. It's what, again, I grew up on. And this is a, a, in a strange passage in Revelation. It, if you read it, it's a little, a little bit like Lord of the Rings, all that's going on. And you read it, and this is what is said. They overcame him, they being the followers of Jesus. They overcame him, him being the devil. There is a real devil that we need to overcome. This is the way to overcome the devil, Satan. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. That's Revelation 12, verse 1. What a great combination punch. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. That's what Jesus has done through the cross. That's what Jesus has done through shedding his blood. We are overcomers. Yes, through all he's achieved. But then it says this also, and the word of their testimony. It's about what God has done in them and is doing in them in the here and now. It, yes, is what's been done, but it's also what's being done in and through us as followers. And if you want to overcome the devil, remind him of your testimony. Tell him what God has done. It builds faith in you. It rises up in you and you believe. The point of this verse is to remind everyone we have a story to tell. Now what's happened is it's been perpetuated down the generations that unless you've got some kind of rags to riches kind of story, then it's not worth telling, is it? I've heard people say, oh, I haven't really got a story. Yes, you have. Because you, like me, were once dead in your trespasses and sin. And you, like me, were far away from God. And God came into your life through the miracle of new birth and changed your life. Don't you ever tell me you haven't got a story to tell because you were dead and now you're alive. You were lost and now you're found. You were blind but now you see. You've got a great story. Doesn't matter which way it goes, where you came from, you've got a story. Come on, I need more response in the room. Thank you for online in the way you're responding amazingly, I am sure, with emojis all over the place. Yes, you have. An old pastor friend of mine, I remember him preaching once, and he got up and he went off on one tirade about how he had been saved from drug abuse and addictions of all kinds that he mentioned, and how God had rescued him and saved him from his marriage falling apart, and all this stuff that he went on about. And I remember my friend and I sitting there saying, I can't believe that what he's telling us we never knew about before. He kind of sucked us in, and then he said at the end of it, of course I've not experienced any of that, because I was saved from it. Ah. And we can think, unless we've experienced all of that stuff, we haven't got a testimony. Yes, we have. If we've never experienced it, we were saved from it. Because that's the grace of God for us. We all have a story to tell. And we all to tell one generation to another. 
these next four weeks, just four weeks, it's a mini-series, but I have a kind of thought in my mind that maybe we could come back to this every now and again. And we've got three people from C3, and we're interviewing them. We want to hear their story, because they are unique, and everyone's story is unique. How maybe they came to faith, but what God's doing in their life, what God's done in their life, what he's doing in their life now, maybe something about where they work now and how God's using them. It's their testimony. On the fourth week, we've got Watoto that will be sharing someone from Watoto who's come right the way through as a child in one of the villages and now an adult. And we'll hear their story on the last week in week four. And it's all about this. You have a story. Guys, online, in the room, you have a voice. And you ought to use it to commend from one generation to the next the wonderful works of God. Because God is good. And his mercy endures forever. And look what he's done in your life. So I want to introduce you to an interview with one of our C3 family members here who we love and appreciate. Take a listen to this with Emily Cherry. Hello, I have the privilege of being joined today by Emily Cherry. I'm so excited. There's so much we can unpack in Emily's life. She is part of our C3 family and we, it's going to be a great first week to this new series. And I'm also joined by Izzy, Temi and Miracle, all who have got exams coming up pretty soon and you've taken time out because we are excited. They're going to help me interview Emily today. So... Emily, something I love about you is I remember interviewing you once before over Zoom during a, one of the many lockdowns we've had. <laughs> and I asked you, I think, tell us a bit about yourself. And before saying anything, you said, well, I'm a mum and I'm a wife. So tell us a bit about your tribe, who you live with and your family. Yeah, so thank you, Katie. What a pleasure to be here um, to be able to speak. And I am a mum and I am a wife, so I've got the most gorgeous family. I'm so blessed to be married to Paul, um, who's a primary school teacher. He teaches year six. And then I've got a son, George, who's 12, an absolutely crazy Port Vale fan. And he would never forgive me if I didn't say that. Um, and Izzy, who's 10 years old as well. And that's the greatest blessing for me to have them in my life Amazing. every single day. So good. And tell us a little bit about... I mean, you're on boards and different things, but tell us a bit about what gets you out of bed in the morning. What is your kind of red hot why that you're passionate about, that you're excited about? What gets Emily so out of bed? I just feel so blessed in my life to be driven by a sense of purpose every single day. Um, and that has been about the career cho choices, the paths, and the skills and the talents that I've been blessed. And all of those are God-given things, and I mm -hmm. know that absolutely. But I've got this sense of purpose in my life. And that purpose can be from something as simple as actually helping my daughter to pack her lunch in the morning, helping her cycle to school, through to the That's sitting so in rooms with politicians and yeah. influencers and change makers, and knowing that you can make a change for a wide variety of, of children and families. But all of those things, it, I can find something every single day in my life where I go at the end of the day, that made a difference to me or to someone else. And that's what I strive to do and that sense of purpose and service. Amazing. You're an amazing lady. How do you, just from a mum advice point of view, how do you balance all of that? So packing lunch boxes to going into some of those big conversations, how do you... Any tips? So I think if any mum out in the land has got the advice and they can give it to us, I don't have all the answers. I know you <laughs> won't have all the answers. Absolutely, neither of us do. But we all just absolutely try our best. I think pre-pandemic, it was really tough. It was lots of calendar juggling, lots of help from friends and family, and just the most 
blessing of my husband who's just brilliant and he's the primary carer. Um, Post-pandemic, actually, it's been a brilliant opportunity to reset family life and no longer having to commute cool. and work in London. Um, being able to use technology to do Zoom meetings so you're not mm. travelling five hours to go and sit in a room with someone True. actually rebalances our family life. And my hope for this post-pandemic period is that we can continue that through all businesses and really reset our work and family priorities because I, I couldn't imagine going back to not having that. So good, brilliant. And before we move on to a bit about different roles you've had and, and you guys can ask some questions, tell us a bit about your journey to becoming part of C3 for you as a family and, and how that's come about. Yeah, so I come from a really strong Christian background and family, um, back down in deepest, darkest Somerset. And we had a small family church and from you know a day of birth, all my family were involved in the same church and it was a wonderful idyllic childhood. I then had very difficult teenage years, went completely off the rails, um, had some very difficult experience and turned away from religion myself and that was a deep and dark time. Mm -hmm. um, but actually it was meeting my husband at the age of 29 and he wasn't a Christian um, and I came back to faith through that deep longing of wanting him to know Jesus. Wow. But God had to teach me patience because it took another 10 years wow. before, and it took another 10 years for Paul with lots of conversations, lots of prayer, lots of family and friends getting around him as well, um, and then finding a church uh, where Paul came to faith. And he found that faith um, locally uh, in Sawston, in a local church. But then we were friends with the wonderful Emma and Duncan, Emma Bruce and Duncan Grady, who many C3 <laughs> members will know. Yeah. Um, and Paul was struggling with the church that we were in. And uh, Duncan said to him, come and try C3. So we came and tried C3, and the first service that we came to spoke to Paul just to his Amazing. heart, absolutely. And when Steve asked for someone to respond to the prayer, Paul stuck his hand up, and I'll wow. never forget, because Duncan just put his arm around Paul and gave him a big hug. Um, but it was really just finding C3 has, has really renewed and refreshed our vigour and passion for Jesus and wanting so to do good. more. So good. And how did you, in those 10 years, God, I'm sure, like you say, taught you such patience, but tell us practically how you... Um, maybe prayed for Paul, like some kind of stuff. How did you face those 10 years, which I imagine at times might have been lonely in desperately wanting him to know Jesus? It was, it was incredibly lonely at times. And, um, you know, your, your heart just aches when you love someone so much and you think, you know, I, I know where my eternity is. I know who my saviour is, mm. but you don't. And that, that you can ache because you love that person so much and you want them to know that. So it, it was really hard and it was about patience. It was about prayer. Mm. And, it, and I just kept praying for him to find someone else that he could relate to, that he could speak to, that could answer those questions that sometimes a wife can't yeah. um, because you, you come on a different level. And, and he did and he found those people and that was just really helpful. But I think patience was what I needed. So I'm grateful that God gave me that time um, yeah. to learn to step back sometimes as well. So good. So good. Tell us a little bit about your journey in terms of some of your roles that you've been a part of these last few years and, and part of that. Yeah, so I have had, um, I think, nearly sort of 20 odd years uh, in the charity sector. So some names that people will be very familiar with. So I was at NSPCC for a good sort of 10 years and Childline. Amazing. I was one of their main media spokespeople. I ran large safeguarding services. Um, I've worked at Bernardo's and I've also worked at the Internet Watch Foundation, which um, is actually based here in the city in Cambridge. And that's the only global charity who are assessing every single day. And forgive me, but I'm going to say words that I know for some people are very difficult mm -hmm. to hear. Um, so I've been a campaigner on child sexual abuse. That's what the Internet Watch Foundation does, and it's, it was the role that I had at NSPCC as well to campaign on those things. I've wow. seen some of the most 
darkest, hideous, heinous things happen mm -hmm. to children that you do not want to wish for anybody. Gosh. And it makes you sick to the stomach mm -hmm. with what can happen to children here in the UK. And I have just been driven with this purpose and passion mm -hmm. that we can do something to change this. That's great. And when we get together and when we work together, we can change laws, we can make things better for the future for children. Mm -hmm. And that's what gets me out of bed. That's what drives me. Yeah. Um, and that's what's given me this uh, privileged position where I can speak to people and make things change for children in the future. Fantastic. And in a, that kind of role, how has knowing Jesus impacted your day-to-day -day, things that you've faced and walked through and seen? It makes it an awful lot easier. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to tell you on camera. I wouldn't yeah. tell you personally, but um, I mean, some of the things that I do remember is like the first time ever a child told me that they'd experienced sexual abuse. Mm. I was fine in the room. Absolutely, you have to be. You're a professional. The moment I got home, I threw up. Because mm. you don't want to see, to hear that as a mother and yeah, as myself, you don't want to see and think that those things will happen to children. But knowing Jesus, having that support and comfort um, from a, a life of faith that that can give you, I can walk away from those experiences and I can know that I am loved, I am supported, and that Jesus is looking out for all our children. Yeah. Um, and that in, in what I can do, in the life of service that I can bring through the charity sector, I can make a difference to some children. And that's what drives me through when you get yeah. those deep and dark moments when sometimes you think the need surrounding you and you can only do a little bit of that. But it's difficult those times, but it can really help you to have that support to know that you've been put here to do something to help people, and that's what drives me. Fantastic. Let's go to Izzy. Do you want to ask a question of Emily? Yeah, um, th that was amazing, honestly. That's, yeah, that's incredible. Um, in terms of social media, I mean, as a teenager myself, how would you say you kind of keep a positive light on social media and stay hopeful when there's all of this negative stuff going on and, you know, you're sat on social media but you know that someone else who could have like abused a child could have been on there at the same time how do you kind of stay positive in all of that so the first thing that i always say about technology is the technology itself is not bad mm. it's the people using it and what they're using it for which is the thing that can create mm. a bad thing about it so much of social media can be brilliant you know we can um we can have brilliant church services we can reach out to people that wouldn't normally come in and engage in a church because of social media mm. because of the ability to do it online but the big problem with social media is that the way it all works is if you start looking for something dark, mm. you're, you're going to end up in an echo chamber. You're going to surround yourself with the same people who think and feel in that different way. Mm. So the best thing to do sometimes is to get out yep. and to look for more positive content. Because mm. if you're struggling with the way that you look, with the way you think and feel about something, um, on Instagram particularly, you can just end up in that comparing myself, I'm not good enough, I can't do those things. So taking a break is good, but finding the positive things that sit on social mm. media. And at the end of the day, if the only thing you want to watch is funny cat videos, we all love a funny cat yeah. video, and <laughs> that's going to bring some light and joy in life in, in you as well. But yeah. Do you think maybe sometimes, I mean, in terms of peer pressure, because, you know, if you're the one person that's like deciding to, I don't know, unfollow some people who in your class who might be like really popular and then people are like, why are you unfollowing me or, you know, how would you say is the best way to kind of overcome peer pressure in that sense? Because, you know, you don't want to stand out from the crowd and be different, even if it might benefit your mental health. Mm. 
How would you kind of overcome that? So peer pressure is really hard. I mean, you know, for us in the older generation, um, mm. bullying and that peer pressure stopped the minute you went home. Now you've got a device that follows you around and 24-7 mm. is telling you how you should think, how you should feel, how you should act, what you're missing out on, what you're not engaging in. And that's incredibly difficult. But uh, for parents, don't take away the device. Don't tell the child to stop. Don't tell them that, you know, not going on is the only thing for them, but have some limits. Mm. So what we do as an approach in our family um, is we take a team approach to social media and online. So um, T is that we talk. Um, so we talk regularly and often about what we're seeing online and what um, games they want to be. E is that we explore. So I get alongside my kids. We explore the online world together. We play, we game, we use it together. A is that we agree, so we agree some kind of boundaries and some ground rules for being able to do it. And then the M is that I'm there to help them manage. And that's where for parents particularly, helping them manage the impact of things like peer pressure mm. is really important. Mm. Um, so lots of positive reinforcement from your parents yeah. will also help as well. Yeah. Fantastic. Shall we go? I've Miracle, you go. Go on. Yeah. How do you think we should kind of take, what do you think we should do to kind of take care of our well-being? while like people are age and stuff and everything that's going on, how do you think we should just take care of our well-being? So I think what's really important is that more so now than ever, we're deluged um, with uh, both positive and negative messages. Um, and it's really good that uh, people are now much more open to talking about mental health. If you went back 20 years ago, people didn't even want to talk about mental health in young people. Those things could have never existed. We've got to bust the stigma about it. And you know what? Sometimes it's just okay not to feel okay. And we've got to recognise that, and we've got to recognise that you can um, you can have down days. You can have. Um, I'm a trustee of a charity called My Black Dog. We have Black Dog Days, is what we talk, where you just feel completely weighted down with the weight of the world, um, completely. Um, but it's okay to feel that side. But the thing that I always want to get out to people is the right thing to do is to get out and talk to someone. So find yeah. someone you trust. Find someone that is a positive influence in you and can bring you up and can help you um, to see the brilliant and amazing things about you. There will be something brilliant and amazing about you, Miracle. I, I can just look and tell there'll be something amazing about you. And when you surround yourself with not just what sits online, but positive influences in your life, you can say, actually, today, this was the thing that you did really well. Those are the things that will bring up your mental health and well-being constantly. Yeah. How do you feel about apps like Instagram? creating separate platforms for younger people to only be on for like younger children oh tough question do you know what i was in i was in two minds about this so um i used to sit on a, a global child safety summit where facebook google and, and others would fly out about 200 of us in, around the world to their offices in in dublin every year and they'd get into rooms to tell us about this so i first heard about um I think it was Facebook Messenger for Kids uh, when they were pre-launching it in the US about six years ago. And I railed against it, did a whole load of media interviews saying, this is disgusting, it's going to make children um, get addicted to social media and it's not the right thing. But I've sort of almost come full circle. Kids are going to want to go online. What we need to do is design systems that have safety and well-being and have what we call safety by design principles in place so that apps are designed for children's use. If we don't, we're just going to give them apps that are actually for adults to use. And if you look at something like Facebook and Instagram, and I'm not, um, I, you know, I am going to sh shame them, you know, half of the world's child sexual abuse imagery and uh, things sit on Facebook. Half. 
It's on open social media platforms that people can see. It's Instagram's the worst for things like um, pro-anorexia content and, and things like that. So what do, what do we do? We doom children to seeing all of that type of stuff and having dangerous adults access them, or do we design systems that protect them, that give them that sense of fun and freedom and enjoyment that the internet can bring, but have safety in involved? So I've, I said I was in two minds about it. I've come full circle, but it's taken me a long time to get there. <laughs> <laughs> So good. Thank you so much. Great questions. What would you say to anyone, Emily, who I love that team model, who's never spoken to their child or young person about anything related to their social media? What would you say to them? I'd say you must go and do it. I've literally just been just launched a campaign for the Internet Watch Foundation um, uh, just this week. Uh, we launched it and it's taken us 18 months to get it off. And that's about having that talk with your child from an early age about um, stranger danger online. Um, if you'd have told me about 20 years ago, uh, I was going to become a mum and at the age of uh, two, I would be talking to my daughter about child sexual abuse. I would have said, no, you, you've got to be kidding me. There's no way I can talk to a child at that age about child sexual abuse. But actually, there are brilliant resources like the NSPCC Pants Toolkit, mm -hmm. which help you to do that. So you can talk to your kids about things like sexual abuse, but never say the words, because P is for private, or, uh, A is for always remember your body belongs to you, no is N is no means no, T is talk up, and S um, is uh, you know share with someone that you can Fantastic, trust. So yeah. you've not said the words, but you've had a conversation that's about protecting them for the future. Yeah. So you must have that conversation, and if you're not sure where to go, there's brilliant resources on the NSPCC website and others to help you to start that conversation. Fantastic, so helpful. And moving away, I guess, a bit from your role, who have been your biggest champions in the whole of your life, not just in, in this particular field, but who have been those that have really championed and believed in you? Um, so definitely my family. Um, it's something my sister always does is every single tweet I put out, she always likes my tweets. She's the first person to <laughs> like one of my tweets. Top um, follower. <laughs> top follower. And it's just one of those simple acts where you just know you've got that kind of champion there behind you. And definitely my family and my parents particularly as well. Um, but I would say the biggest champions of, of what I've done outside of my family and, and obviously Paul and the kids um, are actually the children and young people that I've mm -hmm. helped over the years. And what is just beautiful about a 20-year career is very occasionally um, on something like LinkedIn, I will get a message from a, a young person um, who 10 years ago or so I met, did something, you know, they volunteers and did something with me. And you can now see the difference that they've gone in Fantastic, their lives. So they're yeah. now social workers, police officers, wow. their parents, they're, yeah. um, they're going in to do amazing things. And they are the biggest champions and they're why you do it, because you get out of bed because you want to make a difference um, to children. So I'd say they're the biggest champions of amazing. what I've done. And you have still found time, which amazes me, during lockdowns, to be delivering kids' church packs to different families throughout our church family, um, going to their houses, praying with kids, taking uh, resources so they can engage online. What has that meant for you and why have you done that? I mean, the first thing is I got out of the house, right? <laughs> so, that was like, I've got a legitimate reason and I've got a letter from church that says I'm allowed to go out of my house. I mean, I'm joking, of course, um, but it was, it was beautiful to go and see them. But it was that human connection. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm driven by service. And in, in the last few weeks, we've had a lot about public service with the death of the Duke of Edinburgh. Um, yeah. and different types of service, service to charity as well and service to church. And I fundamentally believe that if we belong to a church, we are, are not just compelled, 
um, but it's right to be serving um, within the church community in, in the little way that we can. And I love kids. I've got a background in kids and I like chatting to people. So what better opportunity to get out? And it's been um, the welcome and the smiles that you get on the doorstep from those kids getting kids packs has just made it just all worthwhile. Um, it's been a real blessing, real blessing. Fantastic. What would you say to anyone then who maybe, because we've had people join C3 who have started watching online maybe this past year and they've started coming to physical things now what would you say to anyone who doesn't quite know where best to use their their gifts and abilities um but they want to get involved i mean sign up obviously get involved in a c3 group so that you're getting that local connection to local people around you because that makes a big difference um, but also just go and look at all the different opportunities you know i think um i do recall it was a number of it might have been a couple of years ago i think angie was talking in a service about the people that is it the wow team who clean the toilets yeah, amazing. i mean there is a Heroes. job for everybody yeah. at c3 <laughs> um so you know if you're great at making a cup of coffee join you know come and join the teams and join connect team but it, it really helps you get connected into the life of the church particularly and to get to know people. I wouldn't have gotten to know, you know, Josie and Josh and the brilliant kids team, the good kids pastors and all of the other C3 kids yeah. team. Um, you know, it, it really helps to be involved in, in part of the service and being part of a family. That's great. Thank you, Emily. And then maybe we'll close on just what might be a bit of a longer uh, answer. But for these guys who are all... 15 to 17-ish, is that right? <laughs> what would be the advice that you, if you could give yourself at that age, advice? What advice would you give? So I know you've all got exams coming up, haven't you? And yeah. they, they're like going to be the most important thing in your life right now and you're going to worry about it. Do not worry about the exam results because everything is going to be a journey. And if I'd have said at 15, I would have been stressing massively about GCSEs and where's it going to take me. It's only one step on your next journey. When I was 15, I wanted to be a nurse. And when I didn't get the grades at A-levels, that was it. I was completely devastated. Mm -hmm. I thought life wouldn't go on the same. But actually, I'm now a charity chief executive and I wouldn't have gotten there if I didn't get the grades yeah, well. and then if I didn't do yeah. volunteering. So that life journey, even when you get those dark moments and it doesn't work out um, where you are, it's always for a purpose and God's always got you. He's always got a plan. It's not the one that you probably think uh, necessarily and he'll reveal it when he's ready, not when you're ready, but he's there and he's, he's absolutely guiding you to where he needs you to be and the purpose that you've been brought here. Wow. Well, I for sure am challenged by hearing part of Emily's story, part of her passions, part of that advice there. And how important is it that we go out and continue to tell our story? What a fantastic story. I don't know about you, but when I hear, what wisdom? The stuff in there that you can take away parents lot in there teenagers what you can go and do tomorrow today so I always want to preach on a Sunday what you can do on a Monday as she mentioned miracle and uh, just looking at her said there's something definitely about you you will have a part to play and look at her she's playing the bass here today that's not the only thing she's wonderful at but that's one thing we need one another we've all got our own story of the way, the way, Emily, it also makes me feel this. This is what you should feel when you see this story. How proud you should be that they're part of our family, that we're in this together. And that applies to every single one of you. We're proud of you. 
and what you are in God and what you bring as you, as a human being made in the image and likeness of God. I don't know whether you're a believer, whether you're a follower of Jesus. Emily said it so beautifully about the time when she made a commitment and then her husband, Paul, here. You may be watching online. You may not be a follower of Jesus. You may be in the room here. We always want to give opportunity. It's not that your story begins then. God has been leading you to this day. There are many ways to Jesus. But there's only one way to the Father. And that's through Jesus. And so I'm going to pray a prayer. And I'm going to ask us all to pray it out loud. Just not shouting it, but all of us or online, say it in the room. Which for those of you that are followers of Jesus, this is a reminder of what you believe of the day you made this decision. But you're also helping those that may be doing it for the first time. And if you're doing it for the first time, or maybe as a recommitment, you're coming back to Jesus. You're reprioritizing your life. You can use this prayer as well. And then I'm going to ask at the end of this that if you're in the room, you raise your hand and say, yes, today I prayed that first time or recommitment so as we can give God praise. And if you're online, when you pray this prayer, if it's for the first time or recommitment, just put in the chat there in the box, yes. Just a big yes. Use capitals if you like. Make it bold if you want. Put a thousand exclamation marks. But just yes. Today I decided to follow Jesus. Come on, let's bow our heads and pray this prayer together. Out loud with me. Lord Jesus, from today... I change my mind about you. I want to put you first. Forgive me for self-centered, sinful living. Thank you for taking my punishment on that cross. Today, Jesus, I call you Lord. Thank you for hearing me. In your name I pray. Amen. Still with the heads bowed, eyes closed, just while we ask, is anyone in the room, you prayed that today, or online, just write a yes in the box. Just raise your hand right now if you're in the room so I can see you. Thank you. Great decision. Great decision. Anybody else saying yes to Jesus? I'm going to pause. Anyone else here on my left in the middle? Online, I'm going to assume there's those of you that are saying yes, yes, yes. Anyone here on the right before I finish saying yes to Jesus? Great decision. Come on, let's give our God a round of applause. His goodness and mercy endures forever. Those of you that responded, if you raise your hand, or even if you didn't, as you walk out the room here, we'd love to give you a Bible that's there in reception. You can get that or a New Testament just to mark the moment of your decision today so make sure you do that hey we've got one more song of worship to sing so those of you online stay with us while we sing this song and then after we've sang the song we'll be saying goodbye to you online thank you for being with us do keep connected and keep in touch for the rose of us in the room here why don't we stand as the musicians lead us in this last song of worship Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. 
Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you. Thank you.